Hello and welcome. This is Friend Request. I'm your host, Justin Lamb, and this is episode 69 with my friend Milton. You guys, this is the last episode of season two. Technically, I'll say technically, uh, there is a summer series that starts next week, and then season three is going to hit you right at the end of summer. I think the last uh, the last Monday in August is the premiere of season three. Lots of amazing stuff coming up. And this really is the start of, of a series of, of great interviews of people that I've met um, through uh, a few sources. But this particularly is Milton, who I met from Clubhouse. If you guys are not on Clubhouse yet, I highly suggest it. It has been a life-changing app for me, which is such a strange sentence. But it has been remarkable. And Milton is amazing. He... Uh, born in Jamaica and came here and got this like six-figure job out of college and uh, then quit it and got into stand-up comedy and you know I'm I'm missing some steps in there but that's why we do you know an hour-long episode (laughs) so check this out I love this interview I love Milton he's he's a great guy uh, and we became you know fast friends just through you know a couple emails and and I'm happy to you know continue to be in contact with them now and if you are downloading podcasts as we speak check out the what's good podcast that's w-u-t-s-g-o-o-d that's milton's podcast and uh, i will be on there in the future i believe i don't know milton if you're listening to this let me know (laughs) it's recorded somewhere all right uh without further ado i want you guys to check this out because it was so much fun talking to him and getting to know him my friend milton Well, Milton, thank you for for jumping on here. I'm excited to talk to you. I'm excited to... uh, So, I don't know anything about you, really. I mean, outside of some generic, like, what you could find on the internet sort of stuff. So, Which isn't much. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, So, I I usually start out with how I know people. And I met you through Clubhouse, this app that is either going to... I think at this point, I think it's just going to blow up or it's just going to fizzle away. (laughs) Like... There's, yeah, I don't right. think it's going to just stay where it's at, you know? It's got to go either direction. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I get concerned it'll fizzle out. But that's not what this interview is about. Um, but I met you on there. You run your own podcast, which uh, I was fortunate to, to talk to you on. And, and in addition to that, we uh, kind of been sharing some networking and, and podcast tips back and forth. Which has but, been great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but other than that, I don't know anything. So I want to go back in time. <laughs> and find out like uh first of all you're in new york right yeah were you born in new york yeah. no i was born in jamaica oh i was born well, in jamaica it's already a great interview all right <laughs> <laughs> are you yeah, uh I was born in jamaica go ahead i was born in jamaica and my um my father my parents uh, migrated here when i was about five and um, it was hard because my Jamaican, it, it's not a different language, but it kind of is. Yeah. So, you know, when my parents spoke, a lot of people couldn't understand them. Um, the dialect for Jamaican is Patwa, and it's basically broken English. And the slaves used to use it to con- confuse the British um, so they could communicate with each other. So all, all, all Jamaican Patwa is is just broken English sped up really fast. So it's not like you have any really new words that you're creating you're just chopping them up so people can't understand them so 
Um, my parents, when they would speak, they they struggled big time on getting people to understand them because their accents were, yeah, were so were so, were so strong. But I moved here um, when I was five, and we lived in Connecticut um, until I was about seven, and then we moved up to New upstate New York, and I've been here ever since. What uh, do you have any siblings? Yeah, I have um, I have a lot of siblings. Oh, actually. yeah, <laughs> Jamaicans we have big families, so I have about I have four sisters and brothers oh wow yeah, yeah. so you're one of fan. 10 are you are you just somewhere but in the middle yeah i'm somewhere in the middle and they're not all complete brothers i don't think i have one real full-blooded brother um i just have half brothers half sisters oh that's interesting okay um yeah. what did that was that from previous before you were born or was that yeah previous and yeah, oh previous i guess and after right because you're in the middle yeah. or <laughs> yeah i was in the middle so i had you up in jamaica um, again, then I came here. My parents had uh, one more here when they were here, but pretty much all the kids were born when we left Jamaica, and then they came here and had one more, which is my little brother Conrad. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much that. Do you remember? You said you left when you were five. Yeah. Do you remember Jamaica at all? You know, I, I remember some of the smells of Jamaica. That's like cool. I remember, I remember the smells of like uh, these are weird smells I'm bringing up, but. When I lived in Jamaica, I lived in a country. They call it country, right? So um, that's basically you're living in the country. So there's a lot of um, woods and the houses aren't as developed. We was we came from a really poor family, so we would eat. Um, we would, a lot of the times we'd be cooking on a fire, and I remember that smell of like just stuff burning. Um, we call it, we have this thing where we we eat. It's like um, grapefruit almost, but you uh, you put it over the fire. And it cooks it, and it has a very distinctive smell. But I remember eating that a lot, like to the point that I don't even like it anymore. You know what I mean? And um, I also remember the smell of donkeys, which is a really weird thing. But we had a donkey there too. Yeah. So those are the only, the only memories that I have, which is kind of weird. But I'm like, I hang on to them. And then when I go back to Jamaica, all that just comes right back. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's strange. It's really strange. That's funny. But so, that's what so what? Yeah. What do your uh, mom and your stepdad do when they when you guys arrive in America, like in Connecticut? What are they doing for work when you're a kid? So my father was my father worked for a, a company, a phenomenal company called Boss Hatfield, and they were a construction company. So when my father was in Jamaica, he couldn't he he, he still to this day doesn't read very well. He doesn't write very well, but he is one of the best uh, carpenters I've ever seen in my life. Like he learned he learned that trade there, and then he brought it here and just took it to another level. My mother, um, when she came here, she just, there's a thing about Jamaicans, they say, if you look, if you, um, what's that? There's an old, there's an old, um, In Living Color. <laughs> I don't think you ever heard of I Living fucking Color. fucking love In Living Color. I grew up on In Living Color. <laughs> so do you remember the skits they would do about the Jamaicans having like 30 jobs? <laughs> I That would have went over my head at the time. Yeah, so David Wade's and stuff, they would do a skit about Jamaicans that have... 30 jobs, like five or six different jobs. And it's funny because that's exactly what my mom did. She came here. She did a little bit of um, waitressing. She did cleaning. And then she did um, waitressing, cleaning, and then she did a little bit of hairdressing as well. So she did whatever kind of job she could pick up and make money to put food on the table. You know what I mean? Because yeah. we had a big family and she had to help my dad out. So she did whatever she, she possibly could to, to put food on the table. So we're... Um, after we are here for... Go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask, like, were, you, were they around a lot or was it like mostly older siblings raising younger siblings kind of household 
Yeah, that's exactly what it was. They weren't around a lot because they were just too busy trying to yeah. to make ends meet for us. You know what I mean? And uh, it's funny, I joke about it. Like, we were the only black people in the neighborhood and we were the poorest people in the neighborhood, you know? But it was a great, it was a great neighborhood. And it was a great opportunity for us as kids because of the education that we were getting um, with the school system. So my parents worked really hard to make sure they could provide that for us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, they didn't have an education, but they knew the value of it. And they were like very strict when it came to that, extremely strict, at least with me. They were very strict with me when it came to schooling and um, just making sure I got my work done. But I still goofed off in school and stuff. (laughs) I passed with a 67 GPA Um, because I was kind of a I was kind of a I was a classical clown. And I I realized now uh, when I started reading about certain things, the reason why I was such a class clown is I was in such a big family and I wasn't getting attention. So I would go to school and act up to get that attention. You know what I mean? And uh, <laughs> it's just funny. So, so I was in school acting up, but I barely passed. And then I graduated. I'm like, damn, what am I going to do now? And then it's amazing. I got real. I got very serious because uh, a lot of the kids that I was going to school with weren't fooling around. And they had taken their SATs. And they were going to these prominent colleges. And they had a future ahead of them. And here I am. Um, I end up graduating with a 67 no colleges were looking at me i had school i had colleges writing me because of track so i had a few colleges like syracuse albany um some big name schools writing me because they wanted to recruit me um syracuse was the one that stuck out of my head i couldn't believe it but then i realized uh, i don't know how this slipped through but i didn't take my sats so if you don't take your sats you can't go to school on a scholarship yeah so i i kind of screwed myself and i was really angry but i i focused that anger into proving everybody wrong, like proving that I needed, I should be going to a college. My, um, I'll never forget this ever. My college guidance, no, my high school guidance counselor, when I told him that I was going to go to college, he goes, you know, you sure you want to do that? Cause that's not for everybody. And I just looked at him. I was so mad. But when you think about it now, it's like, you know what, based on the information he had in front of him, <laughs> he was probably saying <laughs> the right thing, but you know what? I didn't think about it then I got pissed. I got really pissed yeah. and I was like, really? You're going to talk to me like that? I'm the fastest kid in the school. <laughs> That's so funny. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, like that means anything. I, I graduated with a 1.9 and, uh, and, uh, by, by one exam, I, I was also, oh, wow. uh, I was also awarded class clown. Um, and yeah, I, the, I don't know if you know, Michigan, Grand Valley state university, like it's this beautiful school. And they had yeah. a great film program at the time. And I was like, I'm going to go there. And oh, wow. I, I don't, I never, I haven't, I haven't thought about this in years, but like, I do recall being very cocky about being like, they're like, you know, the application costs this much. Like, are you sure you, and I was like, yeah, like my film skills are going to get me in there. Uh, meanwhile, I'm like, yeah, making little VHS movies with my friends. Um, ridiculous. But yeah, so I, I can relate. I can relate to that. One hundred percent. And I went to. I ended up going to um, ACC and Radnett Community College, um, and I ended up getting a three point three point eight the first semester and three point nine the second semester. And I ended up going to a very prominent school in our area, RPI, which is Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. And I couldn't freak, I couldn't believe that I got into that college because it was one of the hardest colleges to get in the area. But I just really set my mind and really focused and. 
I was following up with the guidance counselors there. Like everything I did at ACC, I would like call them and almost verbatim let them know, hey, I'm really serious. Yeah. Because when I talked to them originally when I wanted to go, they, they almost laughed me out. They pretty much laughed me out of the office. <laughs> the only thing that saved me that got me into that college is a coach named Mr. Childs. Um, he had seen me running at, at Saratoga High School. And he had read about me in the papers. He knew about the records I had broken. And he was like, yeah, we're going to do everything we can do to get you in here. And the next time I went in to talk to them, everybody in the office had a different tune. You know what I mean? So it was really cool. So athletics and um, really helped me to get to where I am today because that's what that's what got me into that college. And I ended up getting a partial scholarship. And it really that that's where my life really changed, you know. I'm curious, just going backwards a little, because you were in Connecticut and then you said upstate New York. And like, I'm not mm-hmm. from the area, but I immediately think like, okay, uh, middle, upper class, affluent white neighborhoods. <laughs> like that's. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We still got like a sore thumb. Uh- <laughs> See, I got, I got, I got to wonder not only like, like you said, like we're the only black family in the neighborhood, but then, uh, there's the, like the quote unquote, you know, I'm doing air quotes, foreigner thing, right. With your parents. Yeah. So what, I mean, what is that like? And do you notice that? Like, at what age are you like, oh, people uh, are, like, maybe looking or treating my family a little different? Like, do you, you know, when does that hit? Because I imagine it hits at some point, right? It hit the first time this little white boy ran up to me when we were at the uh, side of my fence. The first day I was there, I ran into the back of the house where everyone was moving stuff in. And I was little, so I just ran off to my side myself, and I ran to the back. There was a little white boy there named Jamie, and he had a handful of candy, like, it was like spewing out of his hand. He offered it to me. And I was like, damn, white people are rich. Like he's giving me food. (laughs) What? And uh, (laughs) I asked him if he'd be my friend, you know? Um, And that's honestly, I'm making a joke out of it, but that's honestly where I noticed the difference. Yeah. I noticed it right off of the bat. Um, And people weren't necessarily treating, treating us differently in a negative way, but you could see that we were different. You know what I mean? Like you could see because of our culture, we move differently. Um, I think, yeah, that first day as I realized, and then when I started hanging out with more of the the kids in the neighborhood, they made it more, even more obvious because I wasn't as, as rich as them. So my clothes were, wasn't as nice as them. I was using, we were, they would joke about, Hey, when's the flood coming? Because my, my pants (laughs) would be so short. Uh. (laughs) like four or five inches above where yeah. they should be. A lot be. of hand-me-downs. <laughs> yeah, a lot of hand-me-downs. Yeah. And um, they would make comments of it. Even So it wasn't, I realized that, so to answer your question, I didn't realize that there was a difference between black and white. I realized there was a difference between poor and rich. Yeah. And then as I, because I remember too, my dad, he bought me my first bike from a, um, a junkyard. And uh, I remember riding it and loving this bike. Justin, I loved this bike. It was yellow. It was the ugliest yellow you've ever seen, but it was mine. You know what I mean? And then uh, when I was riding it, two of the boys started laughing at me. I'm like, what are they laughing at? And it was a, I didn't even know this, but it was a banana seat that I had on. And it was a girl bike. Yeah. I didn't realize. I didn't realize when the pole goes like this, as I said, like that, it's a girl's bike. And I, I didn't know any of those things. I've never owned a bike, nothing. So yeah. I'm riding around on a girl's bike thinking I'm the shit. You know what I mean? I'll tell you what, <laughs> but, that design doesn't make sense because I feel like if you're going to fall off the seat forward, you want the lower bar because we have more to lose right there. You, you know do. what I'm saying? You definitely do. I'm wondering, that, do. and this might be just naive, but what what is it about the 
the little boy candy incident that because I, I hear that and I'm like, oh, this new neighbor is just offering you candy. <laughs> you know why? Because when the neighborhood that I grew up in Connecticut, there were black. There it was everyone was black. It was in Hartford, Connecticut, right? And no one was that friendly. Okay. Like no one was that like open to like coming up and giving me candy for free. You know what I mean? It was all everyone was very like to themselves, very secluded, very protective. And this kid didn't have his parents around. He just ran up to me, offered me candy, and I'm like, "Damn, this is a little different." You yeah, know what I mean? Okay. I got and, you. And um, my and my parents were really strict too. Like my parents were just super strict. <laughs> like, like I remember them having multiple boxes of cereal open, right? And I was like, "Damn, you can do that?" You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think, like I said, the the the, the main focus was difference between um, rich and poor. My black where I started feeling a difference with black and white, it totally took once. And it was when this kid, Garth Plus, I'll never forget his name. Um, and you can laugh, Justin. I'm giving you permission to laugh at this because I laughed at it when I heard it. He called me a moon cricket. <laughs> what a moon cricket. I don't, I don't even know what that is. Is that a thing? I, I guess so. I guess so. See, that's it. So. You know what that reminds me of? So. I, I and I this is this is this whole show is tangents but uh my buddy and me weird sense of humor like my best friend for the last 25 years and uh we say nonsense constantly right like uh yeah. just we're just weird and so sometimes we would just make up words too and people would assume that they were just like some crazy uh you know I don't know bigot ignorant shit like you know it'd see someone in the hall and be like oh that guy's a real uh flap and they'd be like what'd you call him what is that and you'd be like i like that got me in trouble so much because i would just make up words and people would assume it was like some slang for something or i was making fun of like a certain uh, race gender and yeah. i was like it's, this is gibberish i've had to explain myself up. so many times and yeah. so when you say what did you call? What is? What was it? Yeah, you called me a moon cricket. I don't know what the hell a moon cricket is, but other people did, and they were like, "He's making funny because you're black." And I was like, "That's a thing." I'd never heard that's, that. Yeah, I'm like, "That's a thing," and he's like, "They're like, yeah." And from then, I I, I realized that, wow, there 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 is this separation because I've never seen it before. And then his yeah. dad came out. His dad was a racist, and that's when I was like, "All right." I think I became oversensitive to it after that because every time someone would say something to me, there was like, I used to, when I, I used to have a part in my hair right here. Yeah. And this guy was like, oh, he must have got hit by a spear. And I was like, the fuck is that supposed to mean? You know, the whole, the whole spear chucker thing. I was like, what is that supposed to And that's not what he meant. That's not, he was literally just saying, it looks like something cut your hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, it was weird. It was weird growing up in that neighborhood and not knowing. You know, um, and I didn't really feel that there was racism there, to be honest with you, until Garth came around and let me know that it was it was present. But I can't say, besides that incident and his parents, I can't say that everybody in that neighborhood made me feel that way. Yeah. But when he pointed that out to me, I kind of was, I became sensitive to it. And it's never really. Yeah. How do you not? I became much aware of it. Yeah, you, you, you can't. Yeah. And then when I got older, when it really started realizing that there was a separation, that I'm, I'm, I'm taking a long time to answer your oh, question. I guess fine. when I got into high school, when I got into high school and girls wouldn't date me because I was black, you know what I mean? And that's where I was like, all right, there's, there's, there's something here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, 
which sucks. But makes you feel any better. Girls like wouldn't me, date me they... for a new number of reasons. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sure looks were on the, the top of that somewhere. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I was just curious, uh, especially just because you mentioned upstate New York. And I, the only thing I know about upstate New York is, you know, from movies and shit. And uh, yeah, all I think about is like big trees and douchey white people. <laughs> and so I wanted to like... There's a, there's a lot of that, but there's a, <laughs> there's a community here that helped me that I was grateful for because a lot of those um, parents, uh, they, they had carpool systems. Yeah. And they just, they saw me not being picked up because my mom was working these jobs and she'd get off late and then she'd try to rush to get me, rush to get home, the rush. To, so it just wasn't working. So a lot of times I would be that kid that was waiting for his mother to pick him up that she sometimes she wouldn't show, you know, or she'd show super late. And the moms there, the they were not having that shit. They're like, where's Milton's mom, you know? And they all came together. And honestly, for the four, four or five years I was doing track um, from sophomore all the way up, I never had to worry about a ride because they all came together to make sure I got a ride to get home. That's cool. So it's, it's amazing, you know? Yeah, so there's still amazing. a sense of community a, regardless, right? Yeah. There was still a sense of community regardless. And, and I'm, I'm very fortunate from that. I benefited from that big time. Yeah. So going back to where we, where we left off, um, when you get into the college after ACC, is there, is there an end game there? Or are you just like, I need to get a degree of some sort uh, to get – x job or, or like what's the plan there at that point so my plan was to get the best job i could ever get and make everybody back at that was in high school or ever doubted me feel like they were stupid so it was you like know, a validation like, point <laughs> it was definitely a validation point and i i had gone to rpi i had known about rpi because i was trying to i was chasing a chick actually and she said i'm going to rpi for a, a meeting i'm like yeah i'm going there too yeah that's how they told me to start so I walked, when I got there, I'll never forget it. There was a, a, a gate and the building behind it looked like a building you would see in Gotham City. And I walked in and I was, all these intelligent people, like way intelligent, more intelligent than me. And then there were these young nerds that were like mutants, how smart they were. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I want to go here, you know? Yeah. And then the person said, the person I'm talking about the school and some of the programs was saying, yeah, if you graduate from RPI, Everyone that's graduating is graduating with a 401k above 80,000. And, um, you know, they're pretty much walking in and demanding what they want for their salary. And I was like, that's exactly what I want to do. Yeah. And uh, they said, if you graduate from RPI, you can do it. So I graduated from RPI and I did. Ha I had two employers uh, fighting over me. And um, I ended up going, making the right decision and going with the, the one that was the international business development opportunity. So I was flying all over the world. Uh, selling turbine parts and you're how um, old are you at this point 21 years old <laughs> and i'm flying oh, I'm, I'm going to thailand i'm going to singapore i'm going to dubai and i'm trying to sell to these really prominent people these power parts to run their power plants looking back because so, uh, how old are you now i'm 40 now uh, looking back at 21 this opportunity to travel around the world because and this is i'm projecting my own shit because like 21 i was like i could barely fucking travel around the block um do you do you think you had the capacity at that point to appreciate all these different things you were able to see no you're just shaking your head no no uh, no you just don't you, you don't you know what i mean yeah. you're just too young you don't know enough to know better was it you just like I mean? get fucked up in another country while i'm on a work trip or or what did they no i like? couldn't get fucked up i couldn't <laughs> i wasn't drinking or smoking or anything like that. i had to be super sharp all the time 
but it was more um no it was more like i don't want to fuck up because i knew it was an opportunity in the sense that not many 21 year olds are doing what i'm doing right now yeah so i knew that so i didn't want to mess that up um and i also i still had that chip on my shoulder i wanted to prove everybody wrong including the people that hired me you know what i mean it was a weird thing so i just wanted to say i I, so i was super focused and i wanted to just nail everything you know what i mean and uh that was pretty it but no, I know I didn't appreciate because I look back now and I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe I did that, or I can't believe I did <laughs> yeah. this, or you know, when I was doing while I was doing, I was like, whatever, I'm gonna be in another country next week. You know what I mean? It yeah, was yeah. just two different attitudes, you know. How long did you do that for? Ten years. Did it for ten years, but it it doesn't it killed me doing it because I was going to other countries. Um, I'd be out of the office for four weeks at a time, and then I would come back into the country i'd be expected if i came back on sunday i'd expect to be back in the office on monday i had a wife at the time she did not like that and some of the places i was going to i'd call her up and be like oh you know that place in india i was supposed to go yeah you know yeah i know i know you, you saw they just blow up the hotel but don't worry i'm in a different hotel now you know what i mean or I'm, when we were going to war i'm, I'm at the sheridan don't worry uh, <laughs> yeah it was it was crazy it was crazy well well back, but. let's back up then you threw the wife word out there. <laughs> what? Yeah. Where, where does that storyline start? That storyline Was this the girl you off. followed to college? <laughs> no, okay. that was a different one. <laughs> All right, just check it. Yeah, my my wife, I met her in Lake George. And um, I, felt, I, felt, I felt pretty hard for her when I was pretty young. I, I just started working at that company, TSL, and she had come over from Poland, and she was doing a work visa. And we met in in uh, Lake George, and I think from the day that I met her, I, I that was it. You know, we went on a date two days later, and we were just I was just always with her. She was just always with me. And we ended up having a beautiful relationship. Don't get me wrong. We were married for we were together for fourteen years, wow. and just towards the end, it just started falling apart. With the difference in cultures began to wear in. She started really missing her family, and it just just started to fizzle. And like I said, my job that I was in was such. I take responsibility for that too because. It was so stressful for her being alone in a foreign country all the time. And then her husband literally traveling to these places where he could die. You know what I mean? So it, it wasn't good on the relationship. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> even even the Taliban needs turbines, apparently. So uh, that's yeah, that's crazy. It's, um, it's, it's crazy. I, and I wonder, you know, looking back on 10 years of international travel and then mm-hmm. having a wife that is from Europe... Is there like was there any point where you're like, well, we could, I guess we could just move, like, did you, yeah, do you ever, did you ever go to other countries and be like, I could just not live in the U.S. Like, I could live here or there or whatever. Yeah, that's so funny that you say that. So the first time I went to Singapore, I came back and told my boss, I'm like, I think we should open an office in Singapore and I should live there. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, Yeah, I knew you would say that. He goes, You know what? Go on a few more trips. He's like, Get sick on one of those trips when you're in one of these foreign countries and then tell me if you want to live there. I was like, uh, I see where you're going with that, you know? And then, and so I did think about it briefly, but then when he said that, it kind of shot me down. Then you start dating a European um, woman and she's trying to talk you to go to Europe, but then you travel there and you realize that especially Poland, they're a little, they're a few centuries behind. Like there's still racism there a lot. You know, I, when I went there to visit her family, I had people spit on the curb, Somehow that was supposed to be, you know, disrespectful to me. <laughs> but I'm like, I'll take that. Um, that is that is like, such a European insult, right? Like, <laughs> really? Can you, you imagine? 
all those all those jackasses like marching on Washington and just like but just spitting on the curb. <laughs> like, that's that's such a European so thing. It is. It's oh. so true. I'm like, that's it. All right, I'll take that. What a stupid um, thing to do. <laughs> it is. It is. So yeah. So I, I definitely did think about moving. I flirted with the idea for a while, but I came back. I came back to my senses. Yeah. So to speak, you know. Yeah. You guys know that I am a fierce advocate for therapy. Let's face it, this whole show would not exist without the leaps and bounds I've been able to make in therapy, and that is why I am beyond proud to have BetterHelp sponsor this show. Ask yourself, is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? Uh, You know, I know I've spent some time in therapy learning to rein in my need for external validation. That's been my thing. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. Maybe even me one day. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 15,000 plus counselor network, which may not be locally available in many areas. And it's available for clients worldwide. And when you sign up, you can start communicating within 48 hours. So are you getting those random light bulb moments like I do? You're laying in bed and you're like, ooh, I just thought of that. Uh, Well, with BetterHelp, you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. That's huge. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule your weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. Guys, I know that waiting room awkwardness. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. No more of the awkward therapist breakups if you and your counselor aren't a match. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit BetterHelp.com slash FriendRequest, that's better H-E-L-P, and join over 1 million people, that's a lot of people, taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. There's a special offer for FriendRequest listeners, that's you guys. You get 10% off your first month of counseling when you visit BetterHelp.com slash FriendRequest. That's better H-E-L-P.com slash FriendRequest. Remember, when you support our sponsors, you guys are supporting our show. I appreciate it. So, does the job and the marriage end at the same time? Or, um, yeah, actually, they kind of did. Um, they kind of did, which is I never really thought about that before, but yeah, they did. So, um, me and my wife were actually separated at the time. We were only separated for about three months, um, and it was weird because we were separated, but we were still trying to figure things out, right? Yeah. And I came home one day because the boss had said something to me that was just, uh, no, I'll tell you exactly what happened. He had given me a $19,000 bonus, right? And a lot of people are going to say, because after I told my friends what happened, they were like, I can't believe that you got upset over a $19,000 bonus. But the reason why I did is because I had sold a $5 million deal, right? That had taken me about three day, three years to close. The profit on that was about, it's about $3.5 million. Wow. So for someone to give you $19,000, it's a slap across the face. Yeah. And the other part about it was, too, was that I told you, I was going to these countries. The the deal was in Pakistan. I was going to countries where I could have died. You know what I mean? So you're giving me $19,000 to risk. That's how much? Really? No. That's not going down. So we got into an argument, and I pretty much told him that, yeah, I don't think it's a good idea for me to work here anymore. And he's like, are you sure? You might want to think about that. I'm like, I've been thinking about it for the last five months. I'm good. 
trips. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> sir. Life threatening Pakistan trips and a three year deal is come a on. is a six you know figure I mean? like, bonus. No, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Come on. Like yeah. no one else in the company would even dare go to. I'm going there three or four times a year. Yeah. And then you look at me getting my plane tickets cost more, you know? So um I went home that day. And before I got home, I went and grabbed a bottle of champagne and I brought it to her place because we were separated. She was living in a different place. And she's like, what's the champagne for? And I told her that, you know, I'm done with the job. And she's like, what? And she was so excited. Like, I just told her I lost my job, basically. But she was just so excited because she knew it would be another point for us. So we actually got back together like four months later. We, We moved back in together. And then... We just fucked it up ourselves. <laughs> doing a job, we just didn't work out. <laughs> well, yeah, I imagine that's I, that's a huge change, right? Like, so this is a, kind of a comparison, but you know, I started traveling for work six years ago, and January to June, I'm on the road uh, three weeks out of the month. Yeah. Um, and so, but me and my wife got in this kind of rhythm of it. Like, she was used to me being gone during the week and stuff. And then COVID hit, and not only am I not traveling. But we're just both home together. <laughs> and like, yeah, there was times I was I, shit. I got a hotel for a couple nights just to like, so we both had yeah. our own fucking alone time. Uh, Cause I think you get used to that and like, yeah, it sucks a lot of times. Right. Cause you know, yeah. sleeping in the bed alone and, and eating food alone. Like it sucks. Uh, but then when you get the exact opposite of that and all of a sudden you're just together all the time, like. That's a different relationship. <laughs> it is completely. It's a completely different relationship. Yeah. It really is. And um, <laughs> yeah, you nailed it. It was a completely different relationship after that. But we were, but you know what? We were happier. And um, it just, it just didn't end up working out. You know what I mean? It was just too much that happened while I was doing that job. And we just couldn't, we really couldn't recover from it. And um, we were communicating more. We were talking more, so we we're realizing the differences in with us, you know. Um, they were just too apparent. They're just right in our face now. It's not like I was jumping on a plane and leaving. Yeah, yeah. We kind of forget about it and get back. So it ended up it ended up ending. But it was a beautiful relationship while it lasted and uh I'm very happy that I was with her, but it just didn't work out. Um what is the fallout like what are you where are you at in the headspace after that's like over over? Destroyed right yeah. i'm destroyed because my whole identity was that job um everybody that i had proven wrong knew i had proven them wrong yeah and now i'm back to square one really and also this woman that i and she came from poland she didn't really have much when she came here but her whole life changed um while she was here and then she left and then she left because of a, uh, she's leaving with half of the things that you guys both worked for right so you gotta you're, you're losing that as well and it was a lot a lot of the stuff I lost a lot of things that I spent a lot of time achieving that I was told I would never be able to achieve. And then to split that up in divorce, it's kind of devastating. And then you, when you divorce kind of later in your life, I was about 35 when it happened, you feel like oh, there's no way I can recover from this, you know? Yeah. And I went into, I went into a pretty nasty depression. And the more that I think about it, it's like, I'm, I'm just coming out of that depression, you know, because, um, even at work, I could, I just knew that I had lost something. I lost that passion to go as hard as I wanted to or as hard as I could go because I realized I felt that it was pointless. I felt that, Oh, the next person I'm going to get in a relationship is going to take it away from me. Yeah. And, um, while I was doing a lot of the things that everyone said I couldn't do, my mom, my brothers, um, there was a lot of jealousy in the family, you know, and I ended up, you know, me and my brother don't speak to this day because of it. 
Um, me and my mom had a little falling out because of money issues and what she was expecting of me when I was making money versus when I wasn't. And it just got really weird. So my whole world in terms of, you know, being ambitious and having this crazy drive and this big chip on my fold, it just, it just all melted away. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I just kind of, I just didn't want to be that person anymore there. And was like, oh my God, look at Mill. He's going to be a millionaire by this time. And I just didn't want that anymore. I kind of went into the shell, you know? I wonder, and I don't know if this is something you, you recognize or I'm just talking on my ass, but it seems like whether you were doing really well or you were just doing really shitty, right? Like after the yeah. job, the divorce, family, um, through both of those things, you're, you're looking for other people and other things to validate you. Like you want yeah. the job, you want to validate you, your wife to validate you, your family. Uh, is, is, is that correct? I mean, that's, that's kind of like what I, I was getting out of that and, and wondering, are, do you You're still feel that correct. way or did you find, so, yeah, go that's ahead. That's a great question. No, that's a great question. Sorry to cut you, but I just had to give you that. That's a great question because it's true. I was looking for that validation and I think, and I know it was because I was abused when I was younger. Yeah. Um, mentally I was abused. My parents would always just tell me I was never going to come out to be anything. You're going to be the dumbest one in the family. All of these things that just terrible things that you don't tell somebody, you know, and yeah. when you were, when I was being a class clown in my country, and since so in Jamaica, clown doesn't have a positive connotation. Yeah. So when you got put as a class clown, me and you know that there's some fun to that and there's some yeah. credibility there. And you're, But to my family, that's embarrassing. They're calling you a clown. They put you in the Facebook of, in, the, in the yearbook as a clown. Yeah. Like, what is that? You know? So I never got that. I never really got, you know, like, yeah, you're the man. You're doing great. You, you know, and even when I went to track and I was the fastest kid, I wanted the school record. You know why? Because no one because then you had to validate because I was the fastest kid yeah. to ever go through that school. Um, and I would come home from track meets and I'd say, hey, mom, I got second place. And she'd be like, why didn't you get first? You know, so it was always like that. And don't get me wrong. I liked it because it pushed me. But there was damage that was done because of that. Because exactly yeah. what oh, you're saying. Yeah. Well, it, yeah, it, it, you're constantly doing something for someone else, right? Like you're constantly yeah. doing something to seek the approval of someone else. So yeah. I guess that would lead to the next question of like, up until that point, or even to now, like, what are the things that you've done 100% for yourself? Jesus Christ, Dustin. <laughs> you get real with me. What the fuck? I'm just. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, it was you five years ago. You, you turned it up. We were talking about hands full of candy. Now you turned it up into a real. All right. Well, I, you um, know, I, I say this with a, a, a ulterior motive in the back of my head, where I, you know, you're very prominent online about like jujitsu and stuff, right? And I know I don't know a bunch about martial arts, but I know there's a level of mindfulness and discipline involved. And uh, it, if you can't be good at those, like, or rather, vice versa, you know, if you can't find uh, some sort of center for yourself. I, I question, can you be good at those things? Right? Like, am I, am I on a track there or is that? <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. But really question. So no, you're hundred percent right. So to answer the first one, like, what do I do for myself? Honestly, it was the podcast. Yeah. The podcast, I, that's the one thing that I can say I do for myself. And even though I say I'm doing it for myself, I'm also doing it for other people that, that benefit from it. But it's, it originates with me because I feel like, all right, so when I when you're broke and you're poor, the only thing you can really do to have, is have good conversations, right? 
So when I was young, when my friends came over, we didn't have Sega Genesis, we didn't have PlayStation, we didn't have any of that stuff. So we would just talk. And I, would, I became really good at talking. And then when I traveled, when I was traveling with that company, TSL, uh, you'd be in a plane with someone for 12 hours and you'd have to, you don't have to, but if you make the mistake of talking to them, then you're stuck with them for 12 hours. <laughs> so I became very good at conversations and really liking and enjoying it. And that was the only thing where I would walk away from and just feel good. Like, I didn't feel like I had to impress anybody. It was just me and that one person. And it wasn't like you were engaging in them to like, hey, look at me. I did this. How do you think? It was just cool. Yeah. You know, and I felt like a lot of the people I was talking to after they, they, they got done talking with me, they felt better. Because I would point something out to them that they didn't see before or, and, or, or something they didn't notice or make a connection just like you just did um, that they never felt before. And that made me feel good. Like, it really made me feel good. And, when I started interviewing some of my friends on the What's Good podcast, I would walk away feeling so good. And it didn't matter what was going on in my life. Like that conversation with that person was all that mattered. And I loved it. I was in it. You know what yeah. I mean? And that's what I that's what I would do for myself, you know? That's awesome. Um, I can relate yeah, to that. And so the, <laughs> yeah. And so the other thing that you're talking about, martial arts, right? So to get that record, I needed to be disciplined. I needed to, to be disciplined and I needed to have that self-confidence within myself, but it was a struggle. It was a fight. And, um, and I kind of left that when I got out of high school and just went to like, get yeah, whatever I need to get done, super focused, whatever, whatever. And I lost myself, Justin. I, I really did. I lost myself in trying to prove to everybody else who I was. I didn't know who the fuck I was, yeah. but then I finally started doing when I, when I, when I lost that job and I settled down in my divorce, I started looking and seeking and I found jujitsu. And then jujitsu gave me all those things back. It forced me to be disciplined, right? Because if I didn't, when I went on that mat and I was rolling around, I was going to get my ass kicked. But if I was disciplined enough to get the right sleep, do my um, get the instead of and drink my water and go through all the training, show up every day, you're not beaten because I'm I'm there, I'm ready to go. Yeah. And then the more confidence I got on being on the mat and knowing that I can show up and get those things done, it would kind of spread into other aspects of my life. And that's when I actually started the podcast. And I started doing stand-up comedy. I started doing improv because it all came from you. Well, exactly what you said, just establishing that self-discipline and just being one with myself and really holding myself accountable. So yeah, like jujitsu and martial arts gave that back to me because I lost it for so long. You know, that's awesome. What a what belt are you? Let me and I blue. say this because I don't know what it, <laughs> I don't know I don't know where blue yeah, is so on the, it. But so the so the belts go like this: they go white belt. A blue belt, purple belt, and then brown belt. And then after that, it's black belt. And the, the theory of that is um, when you first start out, you don't know anything. And it's it's a, it's a play on that belt is just white because you don't know anything. Yeah. Then the more you use it, it changes color. Yeah. And eventually, you've used it so much and it's so dirty, it becomes black, right? Oh, nice. So that's I like, the whole I like that. I've never it. heard that metaphor. I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm the second from, so I'm the, I, I got my white belt, I got my blue belt, and now I'm working on getting my purple belt. And don't you get um, stripes or something on them too? Yeah. So yeah. what you'll do, you can get up to four stripes and that's just kind of your way of just saying where you are within that belt gotcha. because, you know, and it's good because when you're rolling with somebody, you also know, okay, this person's a two stripe white belt versus uh, no, a four stripe blue belt. Yeah. Because if you're a four stripe, you're pretty much a purple, you know what I mean? And if you're a two stripe, then you really don't know much. Yeah. So when you're both people need to know that before they start rolling, because it determines how hard you're going to go with that person. You can't be a purple belt and roll with a white belt like he's a black belt, because that's just messed up. You got to mess him up. You know what I mean? Um, so the whole part of it is really just being able to work at help each other grow and help each other become better. And yeah. 
those belts kind of give like a mental okay this is where this guy it just kind of gives you a word about where this person is yeah. and how much effort you should unspoken communication <laughs> exactly that's exactly what it is so thank you i, I want to know more and man i searched uh <laughs> i want to know more about the stand-up and how you started it and how you because this always fascinates me i've talked to uh one other person that does stand up and and i'll say the same thing i said to her stand up to me like i i've played on countless stages you know uh and big crowds small crowds i've made ass and ass out of myself like regularly stand up still seems like the most frightening thing you can do on a stage period um so how do you get into that and and what's that experience been like so far so um how i got into it was because i've, I've always like loved making people laugh yeah right? I love making people laugh. It's it's therapy to me, and um, it was a challenge. Everyone, anyone can be funny and make one person laugh, two people, three people. Anyone can do that. You're in a conversation with your friends; everyone's laughing. But when you have a whole room full of strangers that are are that don't know anything about you, that um, are just waiting for you to make them laugh, that's a real big challenge for me. And it's one that once I have the skill set, I actually went to classes and learned that. Once you once you know that you can wield that power, it's just it's I can't even explain it to you. It's just it, it's overwhelming. Oh yeah, it's... because like yeah, it's, it's so overwhelming to know that I can change. I can be an alchemist, right? So I'll give you an example of a joke that I did, and this is kind of give you the part about comedy that I like the most is taking something that's traumatic and turning it into something that's funny, mm-hmm. right? And then and then your audience is the one that says, "Hey, you nailed it," right? So. I was I went into a Jamaican shop, um, and there was this black guy sitting there, and he was really angry, like really angry. And uh, I sat down, I'm like, "Hey, can I buy you lunch?" Because <laughs> that's like you literally went out there looking for comedy. You have to search for it sometimes. It's just not in your face, but yeah. it's there if you look. And this guy was like, "Yeah, I gotta ask you a question." I'm like, "All right." He was like, "Yo, do you know?" <laughs> <laughs> he was like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, because I just remember his face because he was so angry. He's like, do you know who Adam is? I'm like, Adam and Eve? He's like, yeah, Adam and Eve. I'm like, all right, yeah, I know Adam and Eve. He's like, all right, what kids did they have? I was like, Cain and Abel. He's like, all right, all right, cool. And he's like, and what happened with Cain and Abel? I'm like, Cain killed Abel. He's like, exactly. And then he ran off into the into the mountains. I was like, yeah exactly so he goes and then he he had um sex with a woman and i was like yeah and he goes but who was that woman and he just sat back and i was like <laughs> oh you know what i mean like wait a minute adam and eve were the only two people so the only woman you know what i mean <laughs> so i just sat back so i said justin i gotta turn that into a joke because that's hilarious but i can't go into an audience where there's a white audience and be like your God is a joke and uh, you guys are lying to the black man. That whole story is just to suppress the black man. I couldn't do that, but I wanted to point it out. So you know what I did? I'm like, you ever get, you ever um, smoke with somebody, um, smoke weed with somebody and they become so smart that they become smarter than you. (laughs) Yeah. I I already know where you're going with this. (laughs) Exactly. So I get to the end and I say that part. I'm like, so who, 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 who was it? Betty, who was that woman? And everyone just in the audience is quiet. And I go, yeah, 
Cam was a motherfucker. <laughs> they lost it. They all lost it, right? <laughs> so that I, that's what I love. And, I, and, and when I go up and I'm trying to, I'm not looking at it like I'm trying to make that whole audience laugh. I'm trying to get that audience to see it through my eyes. And it's a reward if they do, and if I if they don't, it sucks. But I know I got to go back and just write it. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, and when you nail it, Justin, you can literally when you get off that stage, you have I've had a hundred people laugh, and it goes through your body, and it and, and it, it it echoes through your head, and it just stays with you. Oh yeah. And you can I can literally ride that wave for like three days straight. Yeah, you're just floating. You know what I mean? Yeah. Floating because all of that work, all my these jokes that I put together, and I pulled out of the sky and turned them into something these people got it and not only did they get it they fucking laugh their ass off you know what i mean yeah and that's just a that's a powerful thing so when you said you know going on stage and making people laugh is one of the scariest things to me i don't see it that way i've never seen well, it i don't think way. hold on i don't think that's scary i think <laughs> the the possibility that you will not make them laugh is the scary part right yeah uh, yeah you're right you're right and that comes with it that comes yeah. with it because and you're by you know, yourself sometimes... right you, you mentioned improv like uh i did improv class uh and and like i I think that's super fun and I, I think I'm good at it. I don't know, but it's uh you know, I'm, I'm good at it because I help other people be good at it. <laughs> there you go. Yes. There you and, go. Uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. no, I just, uh, being there. Yeah. By yourself, this material that, that you've written that like, you know, how do you even test that out? I've, I, I've gotten fucking drunk and been like, you guys, I wrote this down. You got to hear this. Like I've written little five minute things. That shit does not go over well with your friends at a fucking party. All right. So, so even getting to that step where you're like, I'm going to get on stage and say these fucking words. Like yeah. that is scary as shit. The, yeah. yeah, yeah if they I, laugh, I know, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. And to speak on that, because there's probably people listening that are thinking about doing stand up. You know what? You're right. The first few times you step on stage, the first few times you hear that MC call your name and give you an introduction to come on stage, it is scary. And then when you step up and all these people are just waiting for you to do whatever the heck it is going to do, it's terrifying. Yeah. It is. But just for a split second, it's because and it's, it's it's not as terrifying as that voice in your head is saying, but it's, it is until you say that first word out of your mouth and then you get that laugh. After you get that laugh, yeah. smooth sailing. You know what I mean? Yeah. If I always prepared. If you're prepared, I would <laughs> love to do it. Um, I just like I, at the same time I wouldn't. <laughs> uh, are you still doing stand up? Right. I mean, I guess right, right now right it's now. COVID, but <laughs> so right now, so this is what these all these comedians thought they had a brilliant idea. They were like, "Let's start," and I respect it. It's cool, whatever. But they wanted to do Zoom stand up. Yeah, and I'm like, that's like having a swim meet in hay. <laughs> what are you talking about like the whole point of standing up is doing stand up is standing up you're yeah. going to have someone sitting down with people sitting down and and they're all it, it doesn't work that way like yeah. when you when you're doing comedy you realize there's no way i'm going to get the whole entire audience to laugh yeah. you're just not so your whole point is to try to get 20 to 35 percent of the audience to laugh and then the other audience percentage of them is typically going to laugh because they don't want to get left out you know what i mean yeah um that's really how it works and to test that theory, look at laugh. Look at a lot of the shows that have laugh tracks on them. If they were to remove those laugh tracks, a lot of people wouldn't even know when to laugh. Yeah, you know what I mean. Because most so, of those shows with laugh tracks aren't very fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, you're hundred percent right. Yeah. Um, 
you're 100 percent right i hope yeah i hope you you get back out there i'd love to love to see i most definitely i have to get back out there there's certain things that like i need to do and comedy is one of them it's a huge release and just to have that audience and that pressure of the jokes and stuff i i miss that you know i think the other thing that kind of turned me off to the zoom thing is um you know when you go and you do an open mic it's for anyone listening that's them do an open mic don't go there trying to get think that you're going to get laughs because you have it's just a bunch of comedians working on material yeah so so that was what the zoom thing it wasn't even like we had an audience it was just 12 other comedians working on material you'd read your joke half the time they weren't even listening because they're still just getting their jokes ready and all that stuff so I think that's what it was. I think with an audience, it could be a little different, yeah. but I still, there's just something about being in the room and just feeling it, you know, even with you, have you done an in-person um, interview yet when you're sitting across from somebody? No. And I'm so looking forward to it. And I, I like, I cannot wait. I was listening to, yeah. like I said, I was listening and that was the interview I was talking about a minute ago was the, my last in-person interview when we were talking See? about the coronavirus and like, I wasn't going to ever do interviews like this. That was like yes. my rule when I made the show and I Stay made here. it, I made it so long without it. And then, uh, you know, then what, what are you going to do? So then it was like, do the, do it this way or, or you don't get anything. Don't do it and, yeah. and I couldn't not do it, <laughs> but yeah. I cannot wait. Cause I can just, you can hear or feel that, that connection between the two people, right? Like, at least when I do it, you know, I bring these people come to my house and yeah. like, there's that whole part where we're not even like in the basement where I'm at right now. And like, yeah. I'm welcoming in my home. And typically, you know, obviously in, in my case, it's always been people like I've known at some point in my life, but some like a lot of times people I haven't seen for 20 years. And so like, right. then we hug and like, there's yeah, that. Yeah, it's different. Yeah. And then that, that chemistry between you when you're sitting across from them and like, you can read faces and gestures and everything. And, and I don't have to excuse myself as much when I fucking yawn. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, no, you're so right though. It's different. Oh, God, it's different. I miss it so much and I can't wait. Yeah. Did I, did I miss anything? I think I'm out of questions. I'm so, I, I, no, I got you did a good current. job. Man. <laughs> yeah. You did a damn good job. Well, you Very did a good, good job having a life that is, is interesting and worth talking about. Um, as, yeah, as everybody yeah. does, that's my, that's my theme. Everybody's got a story. Um, no, I, I, I'm, I'm excited. I want to see your stand-up set. And that's what I, when I said I looked, I was like, you know, usually, even if it's just open mic comics, you can find some fucking YouTube video or some shit that's, and even you're though, right. you're... yeah, even though people are not <laughs> all about that in the stand-up world, videotape and stuff, but, uh, oh, and also I so just said videotaping because I'm old as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> no, so it's funny though, because my first set, um, when I did my first set, it was right when I was doing the interview, the uh, divorce. So my first set is just all like divorce jokes. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, it was a it, it was actually a really funny stuff. But I'm like, I don't want her to hear this because we're still going through the divorce. Yeah. <laughs> so when they they had it recorded and they're like, you want us to save it? I'm like, no, don't don't save it, don't save it. And it was a really good set. The audience loved it. And because they could, I they could actually feel the pain in me. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I was like, yeah. I'm recently divorced and they were all like, oh, I'm like, no, no, don't worry. Don't worry. I got to keep my last name. And they all lost it. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's <laughs> funny. They all lost it. Yeah. Um, so that's why I just didn't want that circulating. And now, honestly, I'm glad that I kind of did that because I don't even feel that way anymore. It was kind of like therapy. Yeah. And well, I feel that way a little bit, but uh, <laughs> just a little. Um, 
but yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was therapy for me. But my next set now, it's, it's all those jokes. People have told me this before, but all those jokes, when I wrote them then, they were, they meant so much to me and I could relate to them. But now it's like, you ever look at a shirt, like in your closet that you haven't worn in five years, you're like, what the hell was I thinking when I wore that? Like, what did I see in that shirt? You know what I mean? I was, I was following you for a minute, but I'm notorious for never throwing old clothes away. <laughs> really? My wife fucking hates it. Uh, you don't have anything in your closet that you're like, yeah, I, yeah, no, I'm going to stay here, but I'm not going to wear it. Uh, oh, no. I, I, Yeah, I have stuff I'm not going to wear, but I won't throw away. Uh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So it's the same thing. It's like, so I have those jokes, but I'll probably never, ever tell them again because I'm like, they're so the old me you know what yeah. i mean like the soul and it doesn't have it doesn't hit the same like i don't have that pain anymore it's just yeah. gonna you're not gonna relate like why is he even telling us that he's got a new girlfriend he's in a very good place he's happy like why are you talking about your divorce five years ago it doesn't make any sense yeah. you know I, mean, I don't feel the same pain but they were literally laughing at my pain and i loved it i loved it because it made me realize that dude this isn't that serious you're gonna be fine there's people in the in the audience that have been divorced and they got married again dude fine yeah and, and it took me to go through that you know telling those jokes and getting those reactions to realize that so that's awesome man I, I look forward to uh your future in that arena and Most definitely i'll keep you posted for sure and i'll, I'll ping you in on a on an afternoon comedy i'll make you co- go do a couple jokes or something or you Let's can just it, go up there and be like you guys want to hear a joke exactly <laughs> <laughs> just like that just call it back all right well milton i appreciate it man i uh this is great. You, I'm excited that we got to do this and uh, yeah, that we got to meet and hopefully. You um, know, I'm very more. happy, Justin. Yeah. yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Ever since meeting you, actually, it's been it's it's been interesting. There's people that you connect with on Clubhouse and you just have one interaction with. Yeah. But then there's other people that you like you connect with you 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 connect with and you're like, all right, this guy kind of he's on the same path that I am and he's and you give me some really helpful tips with things like that. So. I kind of, I consider it a friendship, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, for sure. I mean, a few, for a few times you've even sent me some emails to update me on stuff that I missed. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? And I would write it down. And I, I got it. So, um, and then when you, even with some of the success you've had, even with your t-shirt, I'm like, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's been, it's since I met you, I, I've done, it's crazy. I've done so much shit. Uh, you have, it's and... been amazing to kind of see that because it's all new stuff that a lot of it's new stuff. Yeah. And to see the energy that you're putting into it, it's really, it's really cool. It's nuts. It's really well, yeah, cool and I, that. dude, that is awesome. You're doing some good things, man. Keep it up. Thank you. And I, however, I can support you. I'll definitely support you. Thanks, man. You're a part of it. Yeah, you definitely. better, you better take a picture. All right, I'll talk to you later. Man. <laughs> Thanks, Milton. I, would, I like right, it. No problem, Justin. We'll be in touch. Okay. Yeah, I'll talk to you. All right, you just listened to my interview with Milton. Did you guys hear my favorite part? And I've mentioned this before, and it happened in this episode where he was like, oh, fuck, you're getting real with me, huh? Um, I love I love the questions that make the guest question. Does that make sense? I'm going to stick with that sentence. I like that sentence. Uh, the show is not over. This may be the end of season two, but this summer series starts next week. Uh, I have, oh my God, so many amazing people. I have artists i have ceos i have marketing gurus i don't know what to call them uh a lot of women in leadership or owning their own business uh, a lot of people that own their own business the whole point of the series is to talk to people that are essentially working for themselves and to find out how they got there very specifically how they got there you know what are the obstacles 
what's the like what was your support system do you have parents that paid for your like house while you were trying to start a business you know these are the things that i wanted to answer and i got some amazing stories so i really hope you guys enjoy that uh, it's been such an amazing season like i know coronavirus uh really <laughs> fucked everything up for the last like 15 months but i i was forced to go into this virtual medium uh you know zoom calls and facetimes and google meet and i've met and interviewed people that i i never thought i'd be able to or at least not anytime soon because they live in you know other parts of the world uh, not only the country but other parts of the world and it's just been remarkable and i've got to reconnect with so many people Please go back. I, I mean, I'm thinking, you know, the beginning of the season and, and Sandra, hi, I hope you're listening to this. Uh, Emily, as recently, you know, as a few weeks ago, it's just, I've got to reconnect with people that it, it's just filled my heart and then meet people that are now uh, very close friends of mine. Uh, Katie, I'm talking to you and you guys, I, this show means the world to me and I, I cannot thank you enough uh, for listening and and letting me know that this means something to you too. I'm getting all emotional. It really, I cannot believe we're finishing a second season. Uh, we have our sponsorship. We have, I, I just, all these amazing people and I can't wait for you to hear what I have coming out this summer. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Uh, whether you're a, a Patreon supporter or you're, you bought a t-shirt or you're just you're just a listener. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. It means so much to me. I cannot say thank you enough. This is this is the best thing I've ever done uh, with my life. And and thank you for uh, giving me that reassurance every time you you click download or listen to an episode. I love you guys so much. I will talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye.